Hi, Elijah. Hi, Ethan. Welcome. Welcome. This is your first time on the couch. It is my first time on the couch. It's, it's a very long couch, but we're not very separated. Yeah, actually. Why is that? Um, we're actually in quarantine, but we, we can be a little closer. We can be a little closer. Let's, so, this is our quarantine distancing. Yeah. Um, welcome to Brotherly Love right here. Um, as a part of Brotherly Love, how are we, what are we doing? What are you doing at home? Well, I am mainly gaming at home in quarantine. Yeah, all the gaming. But Ethan and I are doing something in our bathroom. So every, every time we have a shower, we hide the, we, we can take like the handle of the shower off. Yeah. And we hide it in our bathroom. And the rules are it has to stay in the bathroom at all times. Um, so no matter where we hide it, it's got to be there. Um, so after, after my shower, I will pull it off and I'll hide it somewhere in the same go. I had a shower yesterday without the handle because Elijah hid it up under the sink. Now, the problem with hiding it up under the sink is I didn't find it. And as a result, I had to just like hit the little knob. Now, the little knob, you can't change the temperature. And this one turned it up to as hot as possible before oh, he pulled it off. It was, it meant that I literally burnt myself in the shower. It was not okay. So the reason we tell that story is we just wanted to share with you guys uh, some things to do at home while you're, um, <laughs> while you're isolated. Number one is have showers. It's very important. Um, and if you want to make showers a little bit more interesting, uh, try, try doing that. Try doing that. Yeah. Um, one other thing we're doing during quarantine is uh, this is actually um, a really exciting thing. If, for those of you, it's also very topical, isn't it? It's yeah, very it topical. Is, it is. Yeah. So it's both board games, because board games are good, and it's also pandemic related, because <laughs> yeah. the board game pandemic is good. Yeah. It um, is. So Elijah, you're a, you're a veteran pandemic player. Uh, um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so I'm, I'm relying on Elijah's skills. Uh, this is a little bit of a plug. How much is, how much is pandemic? Uh, it's about 45.99. That's, 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 that's a bit of cash. That's a bit of cash. How much, how much, is, how much is an expansion pack? About 45.99. About 45, another $45 to play it yeah. slightly differently. And like, you can't even play it by itself. Right, that is outrageous. It is. So, to counter that, like, going out and buying things, because you also want to stay, in, stay home, yeah, right? So if you have the game, uh, what we're going to be developing over the next week or so is a rule book for another way to play Pandemic from yeah. your home um, without actually going and buying more things. Yeah. So, um, the idea is, Eli? You, it's kind of a combination between pandemic and plague inc and it's like instead of playing together to fight the virus you are the virus fighting each other it's pretty cool it's pretty great it's pretty great and so we're working on this for you guys at home so if you have pandemic let us know uh we'll send that rule book out um so yeah always plug this once is good made, yeah. yeah once we get it we'll sort it out all right so what we're so, gonna do what we're gonna do today is i'm actually gonna say thank you very much to that elijah um, you. and you're gonna pass the mic to jared spring who i'm gonna then jared. have a chat with <laughs> okay, so Jared, very nice to see you. I, it's great to see you too. Like it's been actually, way too long. I haven't seen you in so long. I know. Um, all right, so Jared, what have so what your your have you left your house? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've left my house you, like to get essentials. And yeah. What have, what have you been doing? Um, when I leave my house or when I'm at home? Both. Uh, when I leave my house, go and get the essentials. Mm -hmm. Go for a walk. Mm -hmm. um, like exercise and stuff. Um, but at home, I am just. Business as usual for, for for myself and for my wife Haley. We um we are graphic designers and so we're still able. We work with people like remotely anyway, and so um, it's pretty easy for us to continue on and 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 continue working. And, and now that people have got more time, they're also looking to 
launch their business, so we're able to help them out with that. So you are a veteran at staying home. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's been four years now. I, I, I was already swimming. Yeah. Lone man. Mm. Um, do you have any advice for people who are only just starting out? Um, it, it's hard because I think I find staying at home myself and 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 in the situation I'm in, like I chose my situation, so it's a bit hard for me to kind of give advice because it's something I chose to do and it's something I'm excited for. I think a lot of people who are finding it tough are maybe those who maybe don't don't enjoy the idea of staying at home um, too much. And I guess my advice would be just call people, try and hang out with them as much as possible because that's probably the stuff you're missing out on most and there's probably stuff you're already doing. Um, um, other things to do is just to, like, I think just continue just doing stuff. Like, don't... don't um, don't indulge too much. I find that when I, 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 it's very easy to lose motivation when there's someone, when there's not someone like kind of like your teacher or you, or like your boss saying, hey, can you do this? Like, I, you've got to find a way to be self-motivated. And I find that just being in a rhythm of doing stuff constantly and like try and keep as many of the routines as you, you, you currently have. That's kind of my advice to being able to cope with it as, as best as possible. Yeah. So that like creating routines and um, getting organized, things, things like. Just every time you have a shower, steal the, the yeah. Or something like that. I think that's I think that's a routine in itself. I think it's an essential routine. I think so too. Um, so thank you, um, our, our, our resident guru, or um, I'm going to start referring to you as the Big Kahuna. As the Big Kahuna, mm. I was wondering if you could pray for us. Um, and I'm sure that should disqualify me, but yes, I, I, <laughs> I, will, I will pray. For, I will pray for. Uh, can, you, can you pray for us um, from the perspective of? Um, Creating structures and 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 getting into routines mm. and actually just surviving at home. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'd be I'd really appreciate if you pray for us. Yeah, no worries. Let's pray, Father God. We thank you so much that you are sovereign um, and in control of every situation. God, we pray um, for everyone who, around the world who is affected um, by COVID nineteen, um, whether their health or their finance or their social health or their mental health, Lord, I pray that you may provide peace and, um, and recovery and um, restoration for all people. And God, I pray in particular for um, those of us joining us tonight that are um, maybe finding it a bit tough, the home life, um, I pray that you can help them um, to be sustained. God, I pray that you can be using each and every one of us to support each other. Um, I pray that you can motivate us to send little text messages or um, or give each other calls so that we can, um, yeah, continue supporting each other um, and, and spurring each other on. But God, I, I pray most of all that we may pray for each other. Uh, for God, you are in absolute control and we, um, we know that we can entrust ourselves to you knowing, um, and we can entrust our friends and those we know to you, um, knowing that you care for us. And so God, I pray that you can help us to... Um, yeah, expand our hearts um, so that we may love um, each other more and be able to support each other. Um, and in the meantime, Lord, I pray you can help us to also um, to set up routines, to be diligent, to not get lazy or to indulge too much in, um, in video games or um, watching TV or, uh, or anything like that. Lord, I pray that you can help us to, yeah, when we're, when we're doing those things, doing well, but also to be able to be diligent in... Um, in uh, yeah, spending time doing the things that we should do. Um, and I pray, uh, most of all, God, that you may uh, be glorified during this time um, and that people may see uh, their need for you.
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 8 to 16, if you want to read along at home. Um, Okay. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and asked asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid, my lord, the king, who who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would, have, would then have had my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed to Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants with accordance with what they see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice, choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Well, g'day everyone. My name's Stuart and we're going to spend a couple of minutes just thinking about that passage that Elijah read for us tonight. It's a terrific passage to be reading as we are getting ready for the next term because the Next term we have at Soul Revival, we're going to have a Soul Revival Youth Digital Program that we're really excited about. So we're going to continue to meet as Soul Revival Youth and we're going to continue to meet as a Soul Revival Gathering and we're also going to continue to meet as Soul Revival Fuse as well starting next week. So as we're getting ready for the term, uh, the other reason that this is a good passage to be looking at tonight is because uh, the rest of the church, uh, the the whole of Soul Revival Church is starting a uh, series in Daniel And Daniel is a really good book to uh, help us to be thinking about who we are as Christians at this time. Now, in uh, the book of Daniel, a little bit of a section there that Elijah read, Daniel and his mates, uh, Meshach, Abshach and Abednego, they are Israelite young men and they have been captured by uh, Babylon along with the whole of their country. Babylon's invaded their country, captured their country and taken all the men of Jerusalem to Babylon to live in Babylon. Now, the way the Babylonians conquered a people was they'd uh, do just that. They'd conquer the people, then they'd bring all the people to Babylon. But then what they did, which was interesting, is they'd take some of the conquered people and they'd bring them into the courts. And the idea was that they'd assimilate them to become Babylonians. And that would then mean that the leaders of the next generation of Israel would actually be Babylonians in the way they thought and the way they acted. And here we've got this uh, picture of Daniel as he's been brought into the king's uh, inner circle, so to speak, so that he might be uh, groomed as a future leader of his people, as a Babylonian. And he, uh, he comes into this group of people, which Daniel and his friends are very happy to be a part of. But what Daniel isn't happy to be a part of is he's not happy to become a Babylonian. And here we get this really interesting story about the fact that Daniel's decided that if I'm going to eat the food of the Babylonians and eat all the same stuff that they eat and drink all the same things that they drink, I'm going to be indistinguishable from the Babylonians and people won't be able to tell me apart from my people Israel. So what he and his mates decided to do was that they didn't want to defile themselves. In other words, they didn't want to um, um, make themselves unclean before their God, Yahweh. And so what they decided to do was let's not eat their stuff except for the vegetables. Let's have a vegetable diet and we'll just drink water. We won't drink anything else. Now, we're going to look at that in a minute, but basically that was their decision to try and say, 
I'm happy to be here in Babylon if that's what I've got to do. I'm happy to be in this court if that's what I've got to do. I'm going to be willing to be trained in the ways of the Babylonians. I'm going to learn their language. I'm going to learn their maths. I'm going to learn their ways. But I'm not going to become Babylonian. I am going to continue to be a Jew. I'm an Israelite. I am one of the members of the people of God. And the encouragement for us tonight is that we as Christians can get a great deal of encouragement from this because we know that like Daniel, we live in a place where not everyone around us are Christian. And it's a really interesting question to ask ourselves. What does it look like for us in our generation to retain our identity as Christians but live in the world that everybody else lives in? Now, we go to the same schools as everyone. We work in the same places. We play the same sports. We do a lot of the things that everybody in our culture does. But is there anything in our culture that we've got to be careful of that might defile us? Is there things that we've got to be careful of? Well, before we unpack that a little bit more, I wanted to tell you a story. And uh, my experience of going from one place to another, it wasn't as dramatic as going from Israel to Babylon. But when I was in year six at school, my family and I lived in the country in a little town in the southwest of New South Wales called Narandra. And in Narandra, I was in year seven. I'd just gone into year seven. And when we're in high school, our teachers, for some reason, back in the day, had this big uh, uh, drive to try and stop us all taking drugs. And they used to say to us, Narandra is not a place where we want the young people to take drugs. But if you went to Sydney, all the schools in Sydney, this is what my teacher said to me, all the schools in Sydney, there's drugs in those schools. And there's heroin and there's marijuana and there's cocaine. And you've just, you know, up in the city, all, the, all these things are there and it's really, really bad. And I was like freaked out because I'm just some little kid who's just come from primary school, just started year seven. Uh, so if they're trying to scare me about drugs, they definitely scared me. But what happened to me and my family is instead of then remaining at Narandra High School for the next few years, my family moved back to Sydney. And when we moved back to Sydney, here I am in third term, walking into the quadrangle at Kirrawee High School, and I'm looking around at all these kids, and I'm thinking, I just feel so different to everybody. I walk in there and I'm like, who are the drug dealers? I wonder who's got heroin, who's got cocaine, who's got marijuana? And I know this is embarrassing, but I literally walked into the, into the quad at Kirrawee High School and I hung onto a pole. because so I thought if I hang onto a pole, no drug dealer's gonna be able to get me and stuff, stuff drugs down my mouth. Or, or when, I, when I was needing to go to the toilet, I made sure I went in the toilet when there was lots of people in there because I didn't want to have, you know, be going, going into the toilets and someone come up behind me and stab me with a syringe and make me a drug addict and then I'd be hooked on heroin for the rest of my life. That's seriously what I was scared of. So here I am. I'm this little scrawny redhead kid with freckles just from the country, don't know anyone. I'm holding onto a pole, sitting there, eating my sandwich with one hand and holding onto a pole with the other arm, looking terrified. And these two year 12 girls come up to me and they're smiling and I'm like, I know what you are. You're drug dealers. You're going to try and put a needle in my arm and turn me into an addict. Because the other thing our teacher said in Narendra was the way they get you was they just give you your first hit for free and then you're hooked and you're a drug addict forever. And I'm like, these girls are coming over. They're looking friendly. They're smiling. They're going to stick me with a needle and I'm going to become a heroin addict and that'll be the end of my life. I'm terrified, right? And they came up and they said, are you all right? And I'm like, yes, are you all right? I'm perfectly fine. And I'm looking at their eyes because apparently drug addicts had red eyes and I'm trying to see if they've got red eyes. Anyway, these girls are looking at me and they're like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then something in me changed. I realised that they were safe people because one of the girls in U12 sat down next to me and the other girl just stayed standing there. 
And the girl who sat down next to me said, we just wanted to come over because you looked a bit lonely and a little bit lost and we wanted to come over and make sure you're all right. And the good news is that at lunchtime today, we and all our friends are going to get together for lunch and we'd love you to come if you'd like to. And I looked at them because, again, I'm thinking, what's behind this? Are there drug dealers or something? And then she said something that really surprised me. She said, because we're Christians and we meet together and have a read of the Bible and have a sing and a pray at lunchtime in E-Block, would you like to come? And when they said they were Christians, all of a sudden I went, oh, you're not drug dealers inside. I didn't say it outside. And, and I'm thinking, I might go along and check it out. Well, at lunchtime, I made my way carefully through E-Block and I went in there and there they all were, this group of people and there was something like seven or eight people sitting in a room. There was a teacher there with a guitar, which seemed a bit daggy to me, but oh yeah. I walk in there and people are having lunch and I sat down and I had a great time. And these girls introduced me to everybody and the cool thing was that because they were Christians, they invited me into their friendship group the very first day they met me. And they really did mean it. They really wanted to actually be friends with me. And I look back on that with so much joy and thankfulness that God had arranged for those two young ladies to be at Kirrawee High School the day that I arrived because I don't know how I would have gone without them because they introduced me to some kids in my year and those kids introduced me to people and before I knew it I was surrounded by people in this school and I of course came to find out that there wasn't like a person with a needle behind every pillar in the quadrangle waiting to stick you with heroin that, that wasn't going to happen in the high school there was a lot of challenges in high school but what I had was a reference point with some friends that I was able to go together we can actually be Christian here in this school and being together is what's going on for Daniel here. Daniel, Abshak, Meshach and Abednego are four mates who are going to be at the temple courts but they're there together and they together have looked at each other when they saw all this food coming into Nebuchadnezzar's court, the Babylonian king's court and they're like we're not going to eat this stuff. So even though the others were all eating it, Daniel, it says there in verse 8, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food or the wine and he said to the chief official is it okay if we don't eat this stuff now the chief official is a bit nervous because he's worried that if they just eat vegetables then they'll sort of wither away on the vine and they'll look really weak and insipid and and the other men who are eating all this really nice food that the king's got on the plate they're going to get strong and and then the person who's going to get in trouble is the person who feeds these people so he says to the guys, oh, look, I'm a bit afraid that the Lord, in verse 10, I'm a bit afraid of the Lord, the king, not Lord God, the king, and I'm afraid that if you don't eat all this stuff, you're going to look worse than everybody else your age, and the king then would have my head because of you. So it's a pretty brutal time. So basically the king would just not care about this official if he's not doing his job. They didn't just sack the dudes that didn't do their job. They cut their heads off, like, let's get rid of that person. So this official is rightly really concerned. But Daniel says to the guard and the chief official in verse 11, he says, look, I'll tell you what, why don't you test us? And he goes on in verse 12, test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then compare our appearance with that of the young men that eat the royal food. And let's see if we look any different. Now, as the story goes on, they go 10 days without eating the royal food or drinking the royal wine. They just drink water and they just eat vegetables. And the outcome is that they actually look healthier than the rest of the people. And that's actually looking really impressive. And this introduces us to some of the key themes in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel has these themes. First of all, there's this theme of God's people, namely Daniel and his mates, wanting to be different and not be 
succumbing to the rest of the Babylonian culture so that they just get assimilated into Babylonian culture or drawn into and don't look any different. They want to look different as God's people. And the reason they want to look different is so that they can stand out and tell people that God exists. Because if they just live exactly the same as everybody else, how is everybody else going to know that Yahweh, their God, is a beautiful, loving God that has made us for relationship with him and relationship with each other? And he's made us to love each other instead of being selfish. So Daniel knows that there's a lot at stake, that if he actually blends in with everyone else and looks exactly the same, then no one's going to know that God has called us to be different to the rest of the world. And so that's a big theme. The other theme is that because of Daniel's conviction and because he and his mates have decided to honour God in such a way, God is using Daniel to bring honour to his name. And in fact, I think you could even put that the other way around. God was always going to honour his name through Daniel and now Daniel is participating with that um, idea from God. And so the second thing is that we're going to see in Daniel, there are miraculous signs that God does where he saves Daniel and his friends a number of times. The result of the miraculous things God does to save them uh, gives us our third theme. Our third theme is that um, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians, actually comes to respect God and see that Yahweh is real and the only real God. So Daniel's witness to the king is actually the reverse. Instead of the king through all his food and his drink, making the Israelites the same as everybody else, because Daniel is different, he actually stands out and the king recognises that God is real. And then the third thing is that in the, uh, in the way that God looks after Daniel, he then gives Daniel the ability to have real insight, insight into interpreting dreams in the case of the story that we have in front of us. So in the book of Daniel, over the next few weeks, the church is going to look at Daniel in two parts. Daniel 1 to 6 is all this exciting story that goes on in the king's court with Daniel and his mates and all the adventures they have there. And then in chapter 7 to 12, we see these amazing visions that God gives Daniel the opportunity to interpret to show that one day God will completely destroy all evil, but he will also care for his people through all things. So my question for you today is, what are the things in your life that you feel tempted to fit in with everybody else? To maybe, you know, do you have to make a decision sometimes not to defile yourself by doing the same thing that everybody else does? Obviously, when I was a kid, I was terrified of drugs and I didn't want to take any drugs. And the funny thing is that even though my fear of drugs was a bit misplaced because it wasn't that rampant and it wasn't that all-consuming when I got to Kirawee High School, as I grew older, there were drugs. There, were, there was alcohol. There were people offering me cigarettes. There was people telling me that I should have sex before marriage. There were people who were telling me I should watch the same movies as everybody else that actually weren't uh, that great in some ways. Some TV shows that weren't great. There was music that wasn't always that great, but it wasn't just cultural things. It was actually, there was a temptation for me just to hide my faith so that nobody else could see that I was any different. But because of that early conviction I had, I didn't have a dramatic transformation from Jerusalem to Babylon like Daniel did. But coming from Narendra to Kirawee High School, I made a decision that I was actually going to be God's person. And I wasn't perfect at it. I let God down heaps. I was just a normal, sinful person. But because I was a Christian, I know that the Holy Spirit was making me more like Jesus all the way through high school and all the way through my life. Even though I'm not perfect, I can see that I'm growing and I'm different to everybody else. It's a really good decision to make a commitment to be a Christian and to decide that even if sometimes people laugh at you or they try and stop you being a Christian, 
it's really encouraging to know that you're not alone, that even though you're isolated in your home, if you're a Christian today, you've got your friends who are Christians all in their homes too. And we have this great technology so we can all log on together. But one thing we've also got is we've got the ability to pray for each other. And as Jared said earlier, let's make sure we don't stop praying for each other, that we won't defile ourselves by this world, that we'll be willing to say no to some things if we think that those things aren't in keeping with what it is to be a Christian. And if we think that sometimes there's an opportunity for us to stand out and make a difference by actually just looking different to other people, even if people laugh at you, even if people put you down or leave you out of certain things, I think they'll actually respect your commitment. And you never know if you're willing to stand out as a Christian amongst your friends, maybe some of them today who aren't Christians might end up being like the King of Babylon and they themselves might actually become Christian because of your witness. Think about that this weekend as you're online gaming with your friends, as you're talking to them, as you're messaging each other. Try and live as a Christian this weekend. Try not to be defiled by this world. One way. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings up the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixon.